Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 31, Matthew 13:31, and uh, you can turn there in your Bible or uh, there in the U version app. And uh, while you're getting over to Matthew 13, uh, we started a series last week called uh, "The Moral of the Story." And what we're doing is we're spending some time looking at uh, these parables of Jesus when he spoke about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, these, and he tells these things in parables. And we started last week by looking at the parable of the sower. And, and it's a familiar passage we've read before, but sometimes it's those familiar passages that we just kind of gloss over because we've read them so many times that we need to constantly go back to and, and think about and reflect on. And this parable of the sower, Jesus tells a story about this guy who goes out to sow seed in these different types of soil. We read about the hard soil, that it's impossible for seed to even get into the ground. And because of that, it, the birds come and pick up the seed. You know, this represents those who, because of their heart, because of their disbelief, never believed. And, and before they even get a chance, Satan comes and snuffs it out. Then we read about the soil and the rocks, and you know it's those who uh, put their faith in in God, and and over time, you know they receive it with joy. But over time, trials and temptations and problems come, persecution comes, and because of that, it chokes out their faith, and they fall away. Then there's the the soil with the the thorns, the the weeds, and this seed enters the ground, and it grows up alongside this weed, this thorn, and this represents those who believe, but over time the daily anxieties, the worries of life begin to become too much. And over time they go further and further away from God because of all the anxieties, all the worries, all the problems of life until it chokes out their faith. Also he mentions this also ties into those who have this love and desire to have money, to have wealth, to have these material things. Over time, their obsession with these things eventually choke out their faith. But there is good soil. There's good soil, and this good soil represents those who believe in and put their faith in Him, but they not just only put their faith in Him, they hold to the Word and they persevere when times get tough. And because of that, that good soil produces abundance of crops. And, and you know, this idea of you know, they go and they take the Gospel to somebody and that person hears and believes and, and then they go and take the Gospel to somebody. And it's just this continual thing, this producing good soil, producing uh, good crops. And that leads us this morning to verse 31 in Matthew 13. Now, I need a little bit of participation this morning. I'm going to ask a question, and here in a minute I'm going to have you raise your hand. But before you do, let me uh, kind of ask the question and lay some groundwork this morning. I want to know who here loves to cook. And I'm not talking about you cook because you have to cook. I'm talking about you love to cook. If somebody came to you this morning and said, I am going to cook for you forever, you don't ever have to cook again, you would be so sad and so disappointed because you love to cook so much. Raise your hand if you love to cook. Okay, wow, that's... That, in all honesty, I was expecting more hands to go up. 
Um, but I'm with those of you who have your hands down. I am, I'll be honest, I, I don't really love to cook. There's other things that I would rather be doing with my time than cooking. Several other things I'd rather do. But I am going to be honest. I do think there is something really nice about making some food and looking down at it and saying, this actually looks really good. This actually looks really good. And then the next part is me saying, man, I really hope it tastes good. Um, That's the next part. And there's actually something really nice about, you know, eating food. And not only is it edible, but it actually tastes good. There's something nice about that. And I look at that plate and I I taste the food and I think, man, that actually tastes uh, better than I thought it would. Um, It tastes good. And the hard work has paid off. I made this dish. Usually it's only one of two things. Usually it's like pasta or uh, something that I can cook in the oven that's really easy. But either way, it looks good and it tastes good. But I'm just not a big fan of, of cooking. I'm not, and it was pretty funny, uh, Wednesday night, Nora was talking about uh, Jesus is the bread of life, and she started talking about all these different things you can do with bread, and I'm thinking, I only use it for sandwiches and to toast it with butter on it, that's it. But she was naming all these things, and I was just enamored with all the things that you can do with bread. But here's the thing, it's especially amazing to see small ingredients that make a big difference in a dish. I do love spaghetti. It's one of my favorite foods. And the thing is, sometimes this uh, spaghetti sauce, it's just too acidic. It's too acidic. It messes with my stomach. And so one of the things that Kay taught me a long time ago was just a pinch of brown sugar helps sweeten it up and helps get rid of some of that acidity. Something so small as just a little pinch of brown sugar can make a big difference. And you see, this is where we find ourselves this morning. Jesus is continuing to speak in parables about the kingdom of heaven. And in our text this morning, he shares a story of small beginnings. Small beginnings, and we see a couple of parables that that point the way to something that's small but is going to become big. Something big and I think these little parables that we're going to look at in verses 31 through 35, there's much needed and much wonder, very wonderful reminders for us today. And so we're going to start in verse 31 and read through verse 32. And it says this, it says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So Jesus begins this parable of the kingdom of heaven by comparing it to a mustard seed. And I actually have a picture of mustard seeds. They are pretty small. Uh, The text tells us it's the smallest of all seeds. There are some people who want to argue about this. There actually are smaller seeds than the mustard seed. But at this time in the life of Jesus, this was the smallest of the, the, the known seeds, the ones that they would have seen more than any of these other small seeds would have been the mustard seed. And so... Uh, Jesus uses this example, uh, calling it the smallest of seeds. And it was the smallest of the garden seeds known in the area at the time. 
Scripture mentions how small this seed is. Jesus uses it uh, in relation to uh, little faith. In Matthew 17, 20, he says, He replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this to the mountain, you can say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So this seed is very small, very tiny, and you would maybe think, man, what could this small little seed do? Well, see, here's the thing. It may be small, but over time, it grows. It becomes the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds can come and perch in its branches. This is what a lot of times they would look like, and they could grow up to 12 feet in height. And so when Jesus here is saying it becomes a tree, it's, he's not saying it becomes like a giant timber. It's not a gigantic tree, but it's a branch that is tall enough that a bird can come and perch on its branches. And you know, this is really interesting, this idea that he adds that the birds can come and perch on its branches. A lot of people would look at this and think that birds represent evil. Because you look at the parable of the sower and it was the bird that came down and, and picked up the seed. So some people look at this as, well, the bird here is referring to something evil. But I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think what he means here is the birds come and they perch on its branches. And when they perch on their branches, they find shelter. They find protection. They find provision on that, that mustard seed plant, that bush. And there's mustard seeds in them for, for them to eat so they have that food that they need. They can find shelter in those branches. Something so small can produce something big. Then he continues in verse 33. And he says, He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven, it's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. You see, this parable matches, lines up with the previous parable, this mustard seed, and this idea that just a little bit of yeast, just a little small thing of yeast, it may not seem like much, but it works through the flour and through the dough. You know, when, she men- or when he mentions here that it was about 60 pounds, this would have been three measures of dough, and three measures of dough would have been enough uh, dough to make bread to feed 100 people. And you might think, man, that's a lot of bread. But here's the thing. The bread was a staple for many of the families at this time. They used bread for everything. And because they used bread for everything, they would make more of it. And they would have large families. They would have servants who lived with them. They would have needed food. And so bread would have been something they would have been constantly making. And this is interesting. There's a lot, of, a lot of people who interpret this different ways. You see, a lot of times when you read Scripture, yeast or, or leaven, depending on the translation, it's often used in a negative connotation. Right? When you read through Scripture, we see this idea that it's a little bit of sin, a little bit of corruption. It can spread throughout the whole thing. You read through the uh, Scriptures and you see different times where this is used in a negative connotation. However, it's not always used in a negative connotation. Really, the idea of this is anything that permeates, anything that can spread, and that can be used in a variety of different ways. It could be used to describe bad. It could be used to describe good. A matter of fact, we see a couple of times in Leviticus 
that God tells them when it comes to these different uh, festivals, these different things, they have to uh, present bread made with yeast. So if it was a bad thing, why would God ask for this? In Leviticus seven thirteen through 14 it says, Along with their fellowship offering of thanksgiving, they are to present an offering with thick loaves of bread made with yeast. They are to bring one of each kind as an offering, a contribution to the Lord. It belongs to the priest who splashes the blood of the fellowship offering against the altar. Uh, Leviticus twenty three seventeen says, From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two tenths of an ephah from the finest flour baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. And so when Jesus is talking about this yeast, he's not talking about it in a negative connotation. No, he's talking about this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a little bit of yeast, a little small thing that will eventually affect, it permeates it, it causes uh, you know, expansion. And so he tells that parable and then he moves on in verse 34. In verses 34 and 35, says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was, fulfilled, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Just as we saw with the parable of the sower, Jesus is speaking to two different groups here. He's speaking to the crowd, but he's also speaking to his disciples. And these verses here reinforce what we learned in 13 verses 10 through 7 when he explained why he spoke in parables. He spoke in parables because the hearts of the people of the crowd, their hearts weren't you know, focused on him. They were there, they were following him, but the reason they were following him was to see what is Jesus going to do next? It wasn't a heart that wanted to believe. It wasn't a heart that wanted to accept. No, it was a heart that was constantly disbelieving. And so he spoke in parables to skew their understanding. They wouldn't understand what he meant, but he would go and he would explain these parables to the disciples. And here we see that he continued to speak in parables. And he uses uh, the words of Asaph from Psalm 78.2 when he says, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter certain things. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And just as Asaph used cryptic language uh, to talk about things. Jesus is doing the same thing with his parables, so to speak. He's talking to these people who do not believe and don't want to believe, and because of that, they won't be able to understand Jesus, and Jesus is using these parables to share things about the kingdom that had never been revealed. Jesus is sharing things with his disciples that had never been revealed before, and he's explaining it to them now, but he's doing so with parables to keep those who refuse to believe from understanding what he's saying. And so we have these two parables here. The parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the yeast. Two small things that will eventually make a big difference, make an impact. So what's the moral of the story? Well, the moral of the story is this. God uses the small to do great things. God uses the small to do great things. Man, there is nothing like an underdog story, is there? 
man, I, I love a good underdog story where you see real growth in a character. You follow this character through a book or through a movie and over time you see how they come from such small beginnings and over time they just keep pushing, they keep trying, they keep doing what they have to do and over time they grow and guess what? At the end of the story, they do what they wanted to do. They, they do what they set out to accomplish. And you see real growth. You see, it's interesting. Jesus takes on a small group. Small group, 12, 12 disciples, 12 ordinary men. You see, really, they're quite insignificant and despised in the eyes of the world. They're fishermen, which was a lowly job. They're tax collectors who people hated. And this small group is where the seed is planted. They put their faith in Christ. They believe He is the Messiah, even though, really, He didn't match what they thought a Messiah would do. Jews had this mindset of what a Messiah would be. He was going to come down on a white horse, and He was going to defeat Rome, and He was going to deliver His people. Jesus didn't really do things that way, and I think they probably were thinking, this isn't exactly what we thought would happen, but they believe. Although sometimes they lacked faith, sometimes they were scared, sometimes they made mistakes. And they did make mistakes. Mark fourteen fifteen it says, Then everyone deserted him and fled. And what about Peter? I'll never deny you, Christ. Never, ever, ever, ever. I will do whatever you ask. I will never turn my back on you. Mark fourteen sixty six through 72 While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were there with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Man, these guys, they, they had faith, but man, when it counted, they, they fled. Peter denied Christ. But you know what? The good thing is, that's not the end of the story. They're restored. They find forgiveness. And in Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus spends 40 days teaching them about the kingdom before He ascends into heaven. And then the promised Holy Spirit comes upon them at Pentecost. And look what happens in Acts chapter 2 when Peter preaches. Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people added to the kingdom that day. And man, these disciples now referred to as apostles, they did not mess around. No, they were bold. They would preach when they were told not to preach. They were filled with faith and the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they went and did what they were told not to do. They proclaimed the gospel everywhere they went. And they were beaten and they were whipped and they died for what they believed. 
from small things can come great things. I love this quote from John MacArthur. He says, Small things can have ultimately very large effects. All music, all symphonies, concertos, oratorios, hymns, songs, all music comes basically from eight notes. And he says, All the profound words that have ever been uttered or written in the English language come from 26 letters. Small beginnings, profound, extensive results. And you know, I feel like this passage this morning should have some encouragement to us, and it does have encouragement for us, because I share this quote because I think sometimes we think that we are too small. We are too insignificant. Man, I have too much of a past to make a difference for Jesus. And I have too much of a past. I've made too many mistakes to make a difference in His kingdom. I don't have the right education. I don't have the right job. I don't have the right reach. I can't do anything for the kingdom. I am too small. You know, we pray so often, God, come and just revive this nation. Come and and make an impact in our country. The problem is, it's never going to happen when we stand on the sidelines thinking we just can't do it. I'm too small, too insignificant. My life isn't as important as all these other people. It's a lie. It's a lie. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter what education you have. It doesn't matter what mistakes you have made in the past. God can use you to do great things. God can use you wherever you are planted to bring Him glory and to make an impact for His kingdom. It's true. He can use you no matter how small or insignificant you feel you are. God can use small things to do great things. And so the question is, what can we do where we are planted What is it that we can do where we are planted, wherever you are, in whatever position of life you are in, whatever your situation, what can you start doing now where you're at? Well, there's a couple of things I think we can do. The first thing is this, live out your faith. Man, if you believe in Jesus Christ, live out your faith. Live out your faith. Because here's the thing, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, so many people around us seem to be stuck in this perpetual place of dread and despair. Look around that people you know, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's friends that you know. It's just like we're depressed about everything. I hate my job. I hate the things I see going on around me. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. We hear it so often, this, this perpetual state of dread and despair that the world around us seems to be living in. But here's the question. What if we as believers lived out our faith? What if we as believers lived out our faith? What if we looked so radically different compared to all of those people around us that people started to get annoyed with us because we, are always seem, or we always seem to be happy, we always seem to be in a good place? What if we lived our lives so radically different that it made people wonder, what is it that they have that I don't? What if we lived out our faith that way? What kind of impact would we have if when we're in our jobs, we're not just all the time blasting hate for our coworkers? 
What if in our lives we're not just blasting gossip about our our friends and our family? What if we are living out our faith in a way that is so different from everybody else that people look at us and say, man, i got to have what they have because there's something different about them. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, it tells us this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Man, don't cover the light that you have. Live it out so that people can see who you believe in, who you put your faith, your trust, your hope in, and live so radically different that people wonder what it is that they're missing in their life. Here's another thing we can do. We can love others. We can love others. And man, this is a hard one because loving others seems to be so difficult for us, doesn't it? I don't want to love somebody who shares different opinions than me. I don't want to love somebody that comes from a different background than me. In a world that is filled with so much dissension and hatred, what better time than now to start loving others the way that Christ loves us? What if we started loving others? And here's the thing. I'll be honest with you. There are going to be some people who hate you because of what you believe. They're going to hate what you're about. And, and Jesus warns us of this, hey, if the world hated me, they're going to hate you too. And guess what? You've got to love them. You have to. You have to love them. Luke 6.27 tells us, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Proverbs 10.12 reminds us, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. So we have to love others. And guess what? That's a command. It's not a suggestion. Jesus doesn't say, hey, maybe you should consider loving others. No. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second is the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so, you have, you, you have to love people who believe the same things as you politically. You have to love people who don't believe the same things as you politically. You have to love others that agree with what you believe in. You have to love others who don't live by the same things that you believe in. It's not, a, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. Love others. And what else can we do? Well, here's the thing. Eventually, we have to share the gospel. We have to share the gospel. You can build relationships. You can love on others. You can live out your faith. But eventually, we have to get to a point where we share with others our faith. We have to share our stories. We have to share our testimonies. We have to share with others what God has done in our life. And we have to point people through God's Word to Jesus. Eventually, we have to share the gospel with people. Romans 10, verses 12 through 15 tells us, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I have good news for you this morning. You don't have to be a preacher who speaks in front of people to share your story. 
You can share your story wherever you're at, in your job, at your home, with your friends and your family. You can share your story anywhere. You can share your story. You don't have to have a Bible college degree to share your story. You don't have to have any degree to share your story. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. You can share your story. And that's what we have to do. We have to share the gospel And so we live out our faith, we love others, we share the gospel. And man, we can make an impact right where we're at. We can have reach, we can share with people the good news. But man, we have to stop believing the lie that we are too insignificant, we are too small, that we don't matter enough to share in the kingdom work. Because no, we can have an impact on people. You can make an impact on people that you work with, that you go to school with, that you live life with. You can make an impact right where you are. We have to stop believing that we are too small, that we can't do anything for the kingdom. There's a story I heard a while back. And every time I hear the story, it makes me think of Man, if, if this story is real and true, then man, I can't say that I can't do anything. There was once this little place called the Swahi Inn in California by Hollywood. And then this, this was taking place around the 1930s. And then this little inn, there was a jazz trio that would perform there each night. Well, one night, this jazz trio, they're out there performing and Uh, there's this guy in the audience and maybe he's had just a little bit too much to drink. And he starts yelling to the jazz trio, sing! And the leader of this jazz trio, he just kind of ignores it and they keep playing. And then again he yells, sing! And the leader of the jazz trio looks out into the audience and he says, we're just musicians, no singers up here. Well, he yells again, sing! The manager of the inn, he he hears what's happening, and so while they're taking a break, he walks up to the leader of this jazz trio, and he says, maybe you should just try singing. This guy spends a lot of money here. We've got to make him happy. We've got to keep him happy. And the leader of this trio is, yeah, you're right. And so he goes up, and he sings. And, And this is the same trio leader who was just saying there's only musicians up here there's no singers up here but he goes up there and he sings not only does he sing he sings so beautifully that it shocks the people in this and they have no idea that this man could possibly sing as well as he does and, and what's funny is this jazz trio leader would eventually say i always considered myself a musician i never thought myself of as a singer i'm not a i'm not as good as these real singers but i sing because people seem to love it And man, I'm glad this man decided to sing because honestly, he's one of my favorite singers of all time. Has an amazing singing voice. The guy that led this jazz trio, Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole believed that he couldn't that he couldn't sing that all he was was a musician. He could never ever sing, and yet he would go on to sing so many great songs. Man, I still think. When I Fall in Love is the greatest romantic song ever written. But man, there's a bunch of other good ones. Unforgettable, Love, L is for the way you look. It's just so many great songs. Man, if this man thought that he couldn't sing and he could do what he did, imagine if we stopped 
for a second believing that we were too insignificant, too unimportant, too small to make an impact for the kingdom. Think about what we would do if we just started following God's word, if we started living for him, if we started doing what he asked us to do right where we're planted. And so here is what I think is important. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they do, here's the thing. In order to be a part of this kingdom growth, it starts with you giving your life to him. It starts with giving your life to Jesus. It starts by thinking about what, this, what Jesus has done for us. And he came and he lived and he preached. And guess what? He came and he died on the cross. And on that cross in which he would die, his blood was poured out. And that blood represents the forgiveness of our sins, his atonement, the sacrifice for the mistakes that we have made. And he went through all of that because he followed the, the will of his Father. And we know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believed in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that he would send his son and his son goes to the grave. But guess what? He does not stay in the grave. And today he is not in the grave. He is risen. And it starts by us this morning thinking of that and giving our life to him, putting our faith and our trust in him. You can be a part of the kingdom this morning and it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. You can be a part of the kingdom this morning and so if you've never given your life to him I pray that you would it is the greatest gift we could ever receive and we could be part of the kingdom and here's the thing once we are part of that kingdom it's time to get to work it's time to stop sitting on the sidelines thinking that you're too small you're too insignificant that God couldn't possibly use you it's time to get off of the sideline and it is time to start right where you are planted living out your faith showing people what you believe in not just by the words you speak but by the actions that you commit the things that you do speak about who you believe and man it's time to start loving people those people that maybe you haven't been loving enough, those people that you've been avoiding, start loving on those people. Start loving on those people. And man, over time, as you love on people, you build relationships with people, you start uh, being able to open up with people, share your story. Share what God has done in your life. Tell people the good news. Because here's the thing. This is what Jesus is talking about in verses 31 through 40, or 35. He's talking about this. Just from such a small seed, from just a small little bit of yeast, such major things can happen. And guess what? With just 12 people in him, the seed was planted. And because of that, because they followed him, guess what? Over time, the kingdom has grown and it continues to grow today. And it continues to grow today when we decide to start being good soil. And we decide to start living out our faith. And we decide to start loving people. And we decide to start sharing our story. And maybe you're here this morning and you haven't been living that life. Maybe you've just been living every day, just trying to get by. You've put your faith in Him. You believe in Him. You trust in Him. But every day your life has maybe just been so busy and chaotic that every day it seems you're further and further away from Him. And maybe this morning what you need to do is lay it all at His feet. All the things that you're struggling with, all the, the, the heartbreak you have, all the things that you're going through, lay it at the feet of Jesus and give it to Him. And so this morning, maybe what you need to do is you need to spend some time in prayer laying it all at His feet. 
and you can come up here. I'd love to pray with you. If you want to pray where you're sitting, please do so. Man, it is time to start going and living it out for him. Right where you're planted, wherever you are, you can be someone of reach for the kingdom. And so this morning, if you've never given your life to him, I pray that you would. Or maybe this morning you need to spend time praying. Please do so. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. You can stay seated if you want to, if you want to pray. Or you can come up here. But if you have a decision to make, I pray that you do so as you stand.